Hey there, welcome to another episode of Agency Journey. This is Andrew, and this week I'm excited to bring you a conversation with Chris Dreyer. Chris is the CEO of Rankings.io. They are SEO for personal injury lawyers, and Chris has an amazing story to tell, and he'll dive into it here. One of one of the most impactful things for me as I was chatting with Chris is just how simple his business is, but yet how profitable he is because of that applied focus. So without further ado, here we go. Hey there, guys. This episode of Agency Journey is brought to you by our friends over at Sweet Process. Sweet Process is a process documentation software that gives your team a central place to create and manage all of your important procedures, processes, and policies. And now we all know that processes can't live in a vacuum. And that's why Sweet Process makes it easy for everyone on your team to collaborate together on those processes and then continually keep them up to date. Now, they normally offer a 14-day free trial, but for our audience, they've extended that to a 28-day free trial. So you can head over to sweetprocess.com slash agencyjourney and try it out. No credit card required. Again, that's sweetprocess.com slash agencyjourney. All right, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Excited to have you here today. Um, Can you take 30 seconds and kind of give an overview on your story to anyone who hasn't heard of you before? Yeah, of course. So I'm happy to be here, Andrew. The overview of my story. So I have a history education degree and I was in a detention room at a high school and I typed in how to make money online and found Ed Dale's 30 day challenge to digital marketing to make your first $10. I think I made like 20 bucks, but by the end of my second year teaching, I was making substantially more through digital marketing and affiliate marketing, pursued that full time, had like a hundred Amazon sites. And then that first penguin algorithm really smacked me around. Okay. I was, I was doing the easy and article backlinks. All the SEO nerds on the show will know about that. And I went from like 15 K a month down to two K. So I went and got a job at a, an agency in Clayton, Missouri. I rose to be their top SEO specialist. And I was there for a couple of years and I thought, you know what? I can probably do this myself. So then in 2013, I launched attorneyrankings.org, and that's what where we originated at. Uh, we can continue, and definitely the conversation is going to go on how we got to rankings, but but that's yeah. kind of the story, the the big picture story. That's awesome, man. So how long have you been running the agency now? Just over seven years. Awesome. Okay. Um, I want to kind of frame our conversation around two things. One is positioning. The second is like operational decisions once you nail your positioning down. Um, but you you mentioned attorney, what was it? Attorneyrankings.org? That's what we've, we were founded as. Okay. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about the evolution from that starting point into rankings where you are now and, and how you have found your place in the market. Um, take us through that timeline, if you would. That's a great question. At the beginning, we were willing to do anything. So we focused on the legal vertical. The legal vertical, in my opinion, is not really a niche itself. I know many individuals will hear that and they'll think, well, I'm niching in home services. Well, home services doesn't self-identify. And neither really does legal. There are specific sub areas of legal. Anyways, we started off in legal and we would take any work that we could get. In the beginning, it's all about revenue creation you quit that job where you had the consistent paycheck and you, yeah. you had to take on the jobs that you don't like. I remember at the beginning, I sold 14 SEO audits for a thousand dollars a piece. 
And that was like the worst few days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Literally 14 of them. But I had to do it. I had to make money. And so at the beginning, we air quotes, we were full service. Everyone knows that we're not really full service when you say that. And I we offered PPC SEO and design. And we started off. And at the end of the first few years doing that, we have our P&Ls that we look at with our accountants. And I had broken down our revenue by classes. Mm-hmm. So SEO was a class, design was a class, basically what where our revenue was created. And I identified that most of our income and our profitability was from SEO. We're not very profitable for PPC and not very profitable for design. Now there are things that I know now that I could apply and could have been more profitable in those areas that yeah. I just wasn't doing. But in, in that time, we decided to just refer out all of our PPC clients. It wasn't something that we were passionate about. And my theory was, if we didn't offer PPC, we could partner with an agency that only did PPC and set up like a, uh, a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah. And, and that worked really well. We referred out like 15 clients. I mean, active clients, but it's, it, we got the reciprocation for SEO leads. And then it was so successful. We're like, well, another year went by. We're like, let's, let's reevaluate design. Cause I always thought that design was a loss leader. First you sell client design and then you sell them digital marketing services. But for Mm -hmm. us, our reputation was SEO. And the only one that the only people that wanted design was existing clients. So it wasn't truly functioning like a loss leader. Yeah. And we weren't very profitable about it. So we just eliminated that. And we were a law firm SEO company. Okay. Now the PPC that you're managing or that you're, you're partnering with here, are you doing that white label? Or are you doing, are you introducing the partner and saying, these are the, the all-stars you need to be working with for PPC? That's a great question. So at first I started with white label. I thought, hey, these are clients. Let's just white label and find a partner that can take care of them. But what I found was our profitability was even less. The quality of the service wasn't what I expected. I know that there's probably some white label PPC agencies out there that were like, Chris, you should have worked with me, but we didn't find those companies. And we just knew that it wasn't the right direction. So, so we just... We, we totally referred them out and were mm-hmm. hands off after trying white label for maybe a five to six month period. Okay. So now you find yourself, you've, you found a partner for PVC, you've offloaded design, you're squarely focused on SEO still for the whole legal niche at that point, like the whole gambit of anyone that needs it within that banner. Yeah. And let me tell you where I went wrong because <laughs> those were the good moves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The bad move was I was in Vistage and Vistage is a like CEO advisory, like peer group. And I was in it for three years and it was time for my business review where I was the center of attention. Mm. And I was showing my success for law firm SEO and, and everyone goes around the table and they give their, their advice and they're like, you know what you should do? You should take this model and do physician SEO and home services SEO. I'm like, you're right. I should do that. So there was a brief period of time where we offer, we opened up to physicians and other industries 
And what I found was we, it really killed our momentum, our flywheel mm. and the legal. It really slowed us down. Our copywriting, the avatar, the person you're speaking to is entirely different. Yeah. And so for a brief period of time, and, and here's what's ha- what was also difficult with this is we didn't just sign local small shop. We signed some big clients. Okay. And then it was even a tougher decision to then go back to just legal. It's like, damn, we have one of the biggest auto clients you can imagine. And it's just like, geez. But for us, it was the right move to go back to legal. And we went back to law firm STO. Can you tell, can you walk us through that decision right there? Because people listening to this are going to hear like you had the revenue on the hook. Sounds like you were delivering results. The client was happy. Where did you feel the friction then? with them like what what brought you to a point to say i need to say goodbye to dollars there it a lot of it was the marketing component and the relationship component and it's that and the processes so in the legal vertical i could have editorial calendars for you know several areas of the law but then every time i introduced a new industry i had it's it's a clean it's a blank canvas i have to redo all the your processes. So all processizing things becomes a substantially more challenging. You're also guessing much more when it comes to pricing. Now I know those, in, those sales people listening probably are like, you need to do bant or whatever it is to try to figure out what their budget is. The reality is the client doesn't know what their budget is. And if they tell me it's 3000, I'm quoting 4,000 all day. Let's be honest. And, or whatever it is, I'm quoting them what they need not what they're, what they're saying their budget is. Yeah. And all of these factors, they dilute your perception across an industry. So I found that our conversions were starting to slow down. We were starting to lose those great legal leads who we could really truly serve. And I had to weigh that decision, whether whether to continue to be the generalist agency or to, to continue to niche back down the legal. Okay. Got it. So it was, you lost your, you lost your edge in that space, even though mm-hmm. the, the positioning was, was sorted each market. It was more of a, a flow internally from what gave you that winning edge in that space. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and now that you're in there, is that, did you call it home there or have you, have you pivoted or niched at all within that space since then? After we went back to law firm SEO at the end of 2018, I was listening to a Seth Godin podcast where he was referring, it was a kind of a play on purple cow. And he was talking about finding the smallest addressable market and becoming remarkable. Hmm. And I knew that in the back of my mind, we'd always serve personal injury clients well, Hmm. and that we liked working with them. But I wanted to also have a data component to make sure that was the right decision. So what we did was we went back to the the data and we broke down all of our existing legal clients by practice area. We found that 70% of our revenue was from less than 40% of our clients, which was personal injury. So it was pretty clear that that was the path that we needed to go. So at the beginning of 2019, we went all in with personal injury SEO. And that's what we've been doing since then. That's awesome. Now, did you need to make any tweak to processes or did you need to fire any clients to make that move? Like, 
it's easy to say like we decided to go down, but like tangibly what had to happen to make that change for your, your team. So when I tell you this, most people listening are going to say this guy's full of shit, (laughs) but let's hear it, Chris. (laughs) We had about 73 clients and we fired 50. 50 out of 73. Yes. Now we're talking cold turkey firing. We're talking wine. Well, we found them homes that could reciprocate. That was key. Okay. If we if we knew that they weren't going to reciprocate and send us PI leads, it would have been like just devastating because that's okay. a lot of revenue. Yeah. So it did end up working in the long haul because our personal injury clients were substantially more profitable for us too. Mm-hmm. The retainers are much higher. And you could send, you know, several family law or criminal defense that would be the equivalent to one PI. And in fact, when we were at, I think we're at around 250,000 MRR, something like that Mm -hmm. from 73 clients. And, and, you know, now we're at close to 600,000 MRR from 25 clients. That's outstanding. Yeah. The, The biggest thing that a lot of people don't, consider are the margin efficiencies and where that profit is. And what I mean by that is every time you take on a new client, if you have to do keyword research and you have to research the market, that's time. Whereas we already have a strong personal injury editorial calendar, not Mm -hmm. to say that we don't continuously improve it. Yeah. We also understand their pains and what they need to achieve results, the relationships that you can use as leverage because many personal injury attorneys are confined to geographic territory due to state bar uh, restrictions. Okay. Set up referral relationships. And there's just a lot of margin efficiencies. The other thing that it's, you reduce a lot of waste on your spend, on your marketing spend. Yeah. So instead of just advertising that on Google ads or whatever that we want lawyers, it's, we want personal injury lawyers. So any Mm -hmm. cold outreach, any, any pay-per-click spend or SEO, it's, it really maximizes your marketing dollars. You also get to understand how much you're willing to spend to acquire a client because you know what they're worth. Yeah. It's from the sales conversion component, you're speaking their language. One of the most common things that you hear when you're a generalist agency is who else have you worked with like me? Mm -hmm. All these 30 other people. Yeah. Yeah. So now you can, you get in there and you're, you know, their thoughts before they know them, you know, their objections before they've articulated them and you're able to just lead them through a proven process. Absolutely. And it's also perceived trust and expertise. So a lot of times most coaches will say, you need to raise your fees. You need to raise your fees. Well, maybe not. If you Mm -hmm. don't have trust, you need to lower the barrier to entry to obtain clients. Mm Mm-hmm. Short-term, you know, short-term, month-to-month contracts, low fees to acquire the clients to get the reputation, the trust, the reviews, the case studies. And once you have that, then you can kind of move upstream and raise your fees. The other thing is, and I, I use this story. Let's say you're sitting here and your chest is hurting, and you're out of and breath, and you think you're having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. You have this physical thing that's occurring to you. Immediately, when you think, who can solve my issue? Do you think that you're going to go to a regular doctor? You're going to go to a heart surgeon. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to the heart surgeon all day. Mm-hmm. And the perceived 
the perception is you wouldn't immediately think that the heart surgeon's cheaper. <laughs> There's a perception of that expertise is actually more costly too. Mm, yeah. So you're stacking like the, the environment in your favor in that sense. What, like I, that all is phenomenal. That's all fantastic. And it's, it's nice to be on the other side of such a bold move with healthy margins. What was bumpier? Like what didn't go according to plan during that transition? Were there, were there lessons learned in that down in that kind of drilling down another layer? One of the things that has happened that was unexpected that I didn't anticipate was through our referral relationships. If you load up on an individual partner, you can actually make them into true competitors. Hmm. Okay. Where you build their business and then now they have revenue to start doing the Google AdWords and doing the things that that you were had this overwhelming presence on. So you actually yeah. build adversaries to some degree. That that's a big one. And there there are a lot it like any business, it's it's the right people in the door and 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 those types of situations. So when we were churning clients, that was another benefit is we could get rid of some of the people that were extremely needy and maybe weren't as profitable. The I'll, I'll say a couple other downsides is when you work with a large volume of clients, you have more opportunities for reviews and testimonials. So we're an agency that's never going to be a WebFX or Ignite visibility when you mm-hmm. go to Clutch or UpCity and see them have 400 reviews. We just don't work with that many. Yeah. And a lot of times those sites weigh those positionings based upon the number of reviews instead mm-hmm. of the actual quality. Sure. So that's a downside. Okay. Got it. Um, now your team delivering services here. Um, you'd mentioned that offload design partner for PPC what what service categories do you put under your umbrella of the services that you offer as at ranking? We just do one SEO. We refer to it as in then SEO because our contracts are a bit larger. We can widen our span of control okay. in terms of operations. Smaller budget clients it's difficult to do that. You have to have more jack of all trades employees where, because you just don't have the revenue to create these deep levels of expertise. Hmm. So we have a content function, an onsite function, a technical function, a local, a link building, a press. And each one of those, it leads to deeper levels of expertise. It's higher cost, but sure. that's, that's a component that's affected us too. Yeah. And now for each of those areas do you manage them all in-house? Do you do you leverage any partners for any elements of the service offering as it stands now? That's a great question. Our, the way that I've built the model, and we're a remote-based company, is we have mostly strategists and project managers internally. The technicians, the labor, the production, for the most part, is with strategic partners. So we have, for example, under content, we have a content project project manager who manages a relationship with a con- content. And we actually work with Verblio, who I highly recommend. They're a great team. And the same for link building, the same for local. 
The one area that we haven't found the right partner for is our on-site SEO. Hmm. And typically that's the function that has a lot of warmth capabilities, meaning a client has a special request. It's typically add this blog or take down this photo or change this thing on my site. Yeah. Having that in-house and having a quicker response time is actually a benefit. So we've kept that in-house, but we use strategic partners in all of the other areas for the most part. Okay. Awesome. And is there, have you experimented with bringing some of that in-house? Like, how do you, how did you get to the point where those relationships, you decided to put them as partners versus bringing them inside and kind of investing in a team on your own payroll to deliver that? It's a difficult thing to answer. It's the, the biggest thing that I saw for digital agencies is we're not confined by territory. If you're a plumber, you have to pull plumbers for a certain union hall. Mm -hmm. And it's always an issue with having talent. For me, I could pull talent from other agencies that do white labels, subcontractors, freelancers. So that labor was available. And I think of it as a competitive advantage because I can get the talent from anywhere across the world. Yeah. So we are very intentional about it. In regards to our strategic partners, there's a lot of advantages there because if we lose several clients, I don't have to furlough a full-time employee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It may affect our subcontractors and, and we may have to reduce our spend there. But on the flip side, we can also scale substantially higher with partners more quickly. We don't have to worry about capacity. One of the things that's just crazy to me is when agencies say we don't have the capacity, we have to add you to the waiting list. Like, what are you talking about? Like, like there are a million people that do this and we definitely pilot a ton of partners. We are always partnering a new link building partner, a new content partner. And I, Hey, Verblio knows this. Okay. So it's, <laughs> it's like, we tell them like, look, we want the best. We mm -hmm. demand the best. And, and, and our partners that we've been with for a long time, understand this and provide exceptional service. Awesome. But we also have those in our back pocket. If something does happen, we, we've got a backup plan where we can fulfill that production, those production needs if, if we have to. Got it. So it's at the end of the day, you're diversifying your risk and you're protecting the, the core team at the agency by doing it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I've got a question about um, lead flow. You've mm -hmm. mentioned strategic partners being a big, a big part of the lead flow. And you've also mentioned doing cold outreach. How do you see that breakdown um, first at the beginning and then also as you evolve, like are those the two channels you lean on primarily or do you, do you have multiple channels that you're, you're working to grow? The thing that's going to be surprising for those listening is from about zero to 250,000 MRR, we did basically no marketing and it was a pure intentional referral strategy. Hmm where if anyone's read the book, The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes, he talks about creating your dream 100 list. When I was reading this, I had this light bulb moment come on where why instead of creating my dream 100 clientele, why don't I create my dream 100 referral partners hmm. and it's create relationships with commission only agencies. I don't have to staff them up. I got, I got this giant sales force that's just ready to send, send me leads that are actively trying to acquire leads. Yeah. We did that from zero to 250. 
Camar. Now the question, the marketing question about your tactics on cold or inbound. It, it depends on who you're going after. If you're going after cheaper budget, lower solo practitioners, then a downstream strategy, a span your TAM, spam your total addressable market that you've seen on LinkedIn can work because you can identify the direct decision maker through LinkedIn sales navigator and get in touch with them on the phone. And it's a low cost. What, what do I got to lose? Yeah. If you're going upstream and there's a lot more at stake, they have to feed the beast for a hundred employees. They want real relationship driven recommendations, referrals, customized relational types of things. That's why you see for high volume approach agencies, they can just shoot free proposals out all day. Mm -hmm. They got a lot of volume, but if you're going to go upstream, you got to do those foot in the doors. You got to do those discoveries and blueprints to acquire that added level of, of trust. Awesome. Okay. Last question for you today, Chris. Favorite tool or new discovery that you're excited about using to improve your business right now? Man, that is a tough one. Gosh, this is going to be such a boring answer. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say starting our own podcast. It's been, it's been tremendous because you can go directly to your ideal prospective clients. You can become a thought leader in your space. You can use it for original content creation, your micro content for social, your transcriptions for blogs. It's, it's such a great method of acquiring clients. I wish I would have done a long time ago. Awesome. As someone who's at five years in right now, I can validate it's a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Chris, we've been so excited to have you here. It's been an awesome conversation. Um, I appreciate you taking us behind the scenes. If people are interested in learning more about what you're up to or want to reach out, what's the best way to, to connect? The best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active. If you go to Twitter, it's like a ghost town for me. <laughs> so connect with me on LinkedIn, Chris Dreyer, and then our website's rankings.io. Awesome. Chris, thanks so much for being here today, man. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. If you need help getting your team structured and up and running on a project management tool that follows agency best practice, look no further. Head over to zenpilot.com and check out how we can help you out. We're going to walk you through a three-step process. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to standardize your system and structure your processes. Then in the second phase, we're going to walk through how we can organize all of that inside of a project management tool. And then third, we're going to teach your team how to use that new system so that everything is up to date and nothing falls through the cracks. So if that approach sounds good to you and you want to have a chat about how we could apply it to your agency, head over to zenpilot.com and reach out to us. We look forward to chatting soon.